Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Let's get ready to rumble! Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine. It's going to be fun tonight, fun tonight. Hey, I just realized that it's our 21st show, so it's time to start drinking. All right, I am feeling better, got my taste buds back, and ready to talk about uh, drinking and smoking. Later on in the show, after that, my friend Marty Pulvers will join us on the phone uh, by request and by happenstance found a piece of music from Thelonious Monk that uh, ties in well with the drinking and uh, Monk was a pipe smoker himself so we'll play that later on. Mailbag and rant all coming up in this uh, action-packed 45 minutes of fun and excitement. Hey, to all of our uh, Chinese friends... Happy New Year. The Chinese New Year is uh, coming up on the 10th. And let me see if I don't say this wrong, but Gong Ha Fa Choi to all of our uh, Chinese listeners. Next week, next week's show coming to you from <laughs> the uh, hotel room in Frankfurt, Germany. I'll pre-record the interview, but uh, the rest of the show, I'll be in Frankfurt. It'll be 2 a.m. in the morning. And uh, we'll see. So it might be two shows where I sound kind of drunk in a row, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, anybody else besides me uh, watching American Idol? Might be the only one in the uh, hobby that's watching American Idol. But anyway, been enjoying that. Been noticing that. Uh, thought I was going to uh, not be able to tolerate Mariah Carey at all, and thought. Nicki Minaj would be okay, but turns out it's the reverse. Can't stand Nicki Minaj. God, I don't know what planet she's from, but I wish she'd go back, and apparently there's no intelligent life form there. So, hey, everybody, sit back, relax, grab a pipe, grab your favorite drink, because in just a minute we're going to talk about uh, drinking and smoking. So, special thank you to SmokingPipes.com. Here we go. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Hi, this is Kevin Godby, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Welcome back. I'm so proud of our own Kevin Godby. It only took him 14 takes to pronounce his name correctly. So, coming up in just a few minutes, Marty Pulvers. But in the meantime, let me tell you what I did with drinks. So, for this one, I focused on the stuff that I had in my bar. A whiskey, a scotch, and a bourbon. Just those three basic drinks. And I compared them to three basic tobaccos. I used an eight-year-old tin of Escudo, 
a five, six-year-old tin of McCraney's Red Ribbon, and a six-year-old tin of a medium Virginia Perique, my all-day, everyday smoke from McClellan. So those are the three drinks. Now, I did not do any carbonated drinks. I cannot drink carbonated beverages while I'm smoking a pipe. It just burns my mouth and everything bubbles up. So no beer, no soft drinks. And I also can't drink really cold, really heavily iced tea or iced water. What'll it be, stranger? Ah, uh, I'll have uh, ice water. <laughs> ice water. <laughs> water. You want water? You better go dunk your head in the horse trough out there. In here, we pour whiskey. I picked out pipes that worked for each blend and worked really worked really well for each blend that I knew I was going to be smoking. I sat down, and I did this over a period of three nights because I'm really a lightweight, but I sat down with the first night with Crown Royal, put two cubes in it, poured a double shot, set up the three pipes, grabbed myself a bottle of uh, room temperature water to help cleanse the palate, and I smoked and drank my way through the three different pipes in the same drink just to get a, just to get a comparison of what happened. I did that the second night with a 12-year-old Glenn Levitt. This time, instead, it was about a shot and a half and just one small ice cube to loosen it up and water it down a little bit. And again, I smoked through the same three pipes with the same three tobaccos in it. The third night, Woodford's Reserve, one of my absolute favorite bourbons, a double shot with just a quarter of an ice cube in it to wake it up and to let it breathe. And again, I went through all three of the pipes, all you know, side by side, taste testing them, going back and forth between puffing on the pipe for a couple of puffs and then grabbing the drink and going back and forth. And each time I had a bottle of water with me at room temperature just to cleanse my palate. What I thought would happen is I thought the Escudo and the Woodfords would be too similar to each other because I understand in in pairing smokes with beverages you want stuff that is similar in style but you want them to separate you oftentimes want to completely contrast them but I found it to be a little bit different with the Escudo what I discovered was that Woodford's and Escudo Woodford's is a very rich, very caramely, very sweet bourbon. Escudo is a very heavy, very pungent blend. Those two worked okay together, but they fought each other for a while. There was too much, too many flavors there. The Escudo actually worked for me really well with the Crown Royal. Could have been that it was iced, but the Crown Royal had a basic sweetness, a little bit of tartness, and it just seemed to balance the flavors of Escudo. When I got to the Straight Virginia, the Red Ribbon, and again, this is my summertime smoke, so it's not really a fair comparison for it. I had worked my way through the drinks, and what I discovered was that the Glen Levitt was probably the best. Because the Glen Levitt being a little bit more on the peaty, mossy, single malt, scotchy taste, much less sweet, 
it was completely different and was uh, so different that it wasn't strong enough to knock out the Red Ribbon. What I did discover with Red Ribbon, and it reminded me of why I like it, is that I had to get a cup of coffee to uh, kind of uh, sober up a little bit, and it worked really well with the cup of coffee. So straight black coffee and uh, Red Ribbon, that's my uh, breakfast of champions all summer long during the heat. My McClellan Medium Virginia Perique worked really well with all of them, but in particular, I really enjoyed it with Woodford's. And it could be that those are two of my favorites. Woodford's is sweet, caramely. The McClellan Virginia Perique has that Perique pungency and has a light sweetness to it, so neither one of them was really beating on each other. They were both working kind of nicely together. All of them work much better when I was well hydrated. All of my blends seem to work okay with the basic styles of coffee, except for the Escudo. My black coffee that's uh, full strength, I normally only smoke Escudo in the evenings anyway. It was too far. They were way too far apart in flavor profile. So it got me wondering, what do you pair your drinks with? Um, are you lucky enough that you can actually take two completely different kinds of flavor profiles and enjoy them separately at the same time? Also made me wonder, uh, for a basic English, I would really like to try with uh, with my very light English, the one that I actually enjoy smoking. I'm going to go back and I'm going to give it a try again, but this time I'm going to switch over to the Crown Royal because normally I do it with bourbon. And maybe those two completely different profiles aren't working well together. Maybe with the Crown Royal, which is less sweet and a little more like a light English, it might mix better. I would really hate after doing this taste test to try a single malt scotch and an English blend. Uh, those of you that are doing aromatics, um, my suggestion to you is not do a real heavily flavored drink with it. Do something that is real soft in flavor, real light, real basic. Uh, don't do a flavored tea of any kind with it. You don't want to start mixing too many flavors together. You want to find something that will work together and not fight each other. So, Keep those in mind. Let me know what your favorite pairings are. Let me know what you think. I look forward to all your comments. Sit back, relax, because in just a minute, Marty Pulvers will be on the phone. Fact. Cup of Joe's has the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web. Fact. For over 17 years, Cup of Joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service. Fact. Your thumb is the same length as your nose. Told you, cupofjoes.com. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Please join me in welcoming the one person that probably describes the 
sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining part of this show, the one and only Marty Pulvers. Marty, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, I almost want to say your thank you. Thank you, Brian, but uh, that would be stretching it for me. I, I almost meant that nicely. Uh, oh, okay. Well, then, thank you. So, let's go back to the beginning. Where did you grow up? Grew up in uh, Manhattan, Lower East Side. So, uh, yes, I have blue blood flowing through my veins. Then we moved to Far Rockaway, Queens, which I understand is now still underwater due to Hurricane Sandy. And I did uh, high school out on Long Island, Massapequa. When did you end up in the San Francisco Bay Area? I ended up in the Bay Area more or less in 66 to 69 when I was uh, in the Army. I was impressed into service. I spent most of that time at Fort Ord in Monterey and would come up and spend weekends in San Francisco. And just as the song said, I fell in love with it and moved out here permanently as soon as I could, which was February of 1969. And seven months later, I left San Francisco. So the city, you were a little boy. Yeah, well, the city couldn't handle both of us. I, you know, I think there's something to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your uh, What was your first career? Well, my first career, gee, uh, I, I guess if you'd say coming out of uh, graduate school, which I went to because I had the GI Bill. And I certainly wasn't going to leave that amount of money on the table since they were paying me a solid $99 a month from 66 to 68, was writing uh, football articles for a company that put out a, a program for the Pac-8 at the time and various independent schools. So we did Notre Dame. We also did Texas. And uh, so I, I wrote about football, a uh, subject about which I knew and know nothing. <laughs> When did you buy Sherlock's Haven? That was 1989. I knew of the store. One of the four previous owners had offered it to me at a ridiculously high price. I knew where it was. It wasn't worth it, and I uh, rejected the offer. The person was probably just trying to get his money and get out of there because he had created a lot of debt for himself. So when I took it over from the original owners who were, as I say, trying to find buyers, it was uh, really not a very lively operation, and the salespeople who came by thought there was no chance I would make that an ongoing uh, operation, that I, I could make a viable store out of it. How long did the you have the store? Me. Excuse me? How long did you have the store? Uh, 18 years, 20 years, and, the, and it was always good from almost day three. Uh, and the last four or five years were the best, but the lease expired, and the landlord didn't want me there anymore because of smoking. I could have stayed, but no smoking. Well, what kind of tobacco shop would that have been? Describe for us the the layout of the store. You know, I'm not going to describe the layout of the store for you, and and you're probably expecting answers like that from me. But I'll I'll do I'll go better for you. Let me just describe the store because <laughs> the layout. Who gives a shit? But it was really the Camelot. It was really the Camelot of stores, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how or why I say that. About three, four years after I closed the doors, I was sitting in my friend's garage for Super Bowl Sunday with about 15 other people, and this garage was 30 miles south of San Francisco. And when I looked around, I realized every single person in that room 
had met at Sherlock's Haven. That was the proudest I ever felt of having run and operated that store. It was a community place, a place for people to get together and meet one another and be comfortable, and it, it achieved its purpose. Because when I opened it, I was very conscious of it being my living room. When you came in, you were coming into my living room. And if you were a lady or a gentleman, you were welcome. And if you weren't a lady or a gentleman, out you went. And I really didn't give a shit about how much money you would or wouldn't spend in there. I wanted a place where I would be comfortable because I had to be there eight hours a day and more, really a lot more, uh, every day of the week. Did you have chairs and places for people to hang out? I ha- you know, yes, I had a couple of stools. I think I had three stools, no chairs. And what's better about that is that it was a small store. Were you in it, Brian? I can't remember. I was not in the store ever, but I've seen pictures of it. Well, it was 800 and, no, it was 950 square feet. And unlike all these phony bastard stores where they put couches on and TVs and whatever and have people sitting there who think they're members of some exclusive club smoking their stupid cigars, you had a be right in the middle of the store. There wasn't enough room to go somewhere. So you were right in the middle of all the action. You were part of what was going on, and so was I. You couldn't sit 20 feet away from me and avoid me. So if you didn't like me, and you may, may well not, then the best thing for you to do would be to leave because there was really nowhere else for you to go if you were going to stay in the store. So people were part of the action. It was very, very congenial. It was the most congenial spot. Did some of the people turn into part of the furniture, too? I'm sorry, did some people do what about the furniture? Did some people turn into part of the fixtures and the furniture? Oh, yeah, well, there's... (laughs) Yes, I see you've been into a few tobacco shops. Yeah, there are always guys like that. Uh, Yeah, we had our Dave, who was very much like that, and... uh, and actually, we needed to reupholster him uh, on a couple of occasions. And, uh, but they were always good guys. Now, you, besides selling pipes and cigars, did you hand blend tobaccos there? Only about three blends. And frankly, those were basically uh, derived for me by uh, Mike McNeil. I had the basic uh, components, and I had an idea of what I wanted to do with them. But I'm an amateur at blending. Mike McNeil does it all day, every day for so many years that it'd be stupid of somebody like me to think that I could compete with him and do a better job. And and for all the other blends that we got that were uh, commercial bulk blends, McClellan's, Lane's, again, these are people who've been doing that for years and years and years all day. Why should I put something inferior out just so I could say that I blended it? So most of our blends were commercial blends. And I didn't hide that from people. I might have put our own name on it, but if somebody said, what's that? I would have told them, I'll flame one to you, and I often did. And since you're closed and it's no secret anymore, what is your, what was your biggest selling bulk blend? Well, as any retailer would be able to tell you, it was Lane's 1Q, which we called Bar of Gold. And 1Q just being an absolute staple of the industry. Do you remember some of your other top sellers? Oh, I don't remember. I think BCA, another lane blend, was a top seller. Uh, RLP6, I don't even remember what RLP6 was. It might have been that uh, faux Latakia mixture with uh, flavored uh, black Cavendish Virginia, you know, probably a Burley, flavored Burley. Um, 
those, those were some of the best ones. But we also did very well with some of our much better English blends, because I'm a Latakia guy, and so, of course, I would focus on that, and I would head people towards that, and some people took to the taste. And other people, no matter what you told them about the flavored tobaccos, that's what they liked, whether they liked it because the aroma was appealing to others or they actually liked the non-taste of it. I couldn't tell you, but those were primarily the best sellers, yeah. How many bulk blends did you have in the store? Oh, boy, something 40-ish, around 40, 45, somewhere in there. You'd usually add one one a year. You'd, you'd look for something new. You'd put it in. You'd try it out. If it sold halfway well, you'd keep it. If it didn't, of course, you'd maybe phase it out. Um you didn't really get rid of anything because there was always somebody who wanted it. And for any item in the store, whether a box of a brand of cigar or, a, you know, a brand in a size or a tobacco, if you had one regular that came in for it, that was usually enough to warrant keeping it because others would come in from time to time. But as long as you could turn it over, you would keep it. At least that was my philosophy on the thing. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back afterwards, I'm hoping we can get Marty to open up more and tell us a little bit about how he really feels about stuff. So hang on. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back. Marty is still on the phone. Marty, talk to me. In the early days of Sherlock's Haven, what were the best-selling pipe brands? The best-selling pipe brands in the early days. Good question. Um, I remember having a fight with Bill Taylor over uh, his inconsistent quality, which means I must have put him in the store. Uh <laughs> What about Upshaw? I think that at the beginning, I had so little money, I literally went into the store and put everything I had into the store. And all, everything was $10,000, $5,000 down on the store, $5,000 into restocking, leaving me absolutely broke and needing to turn a profit from day one. None of this, oh, you got you to gotta be prepared for a year of losses. I was not prepared for a year of losses. I wasn't prepared for a week of losses. So what I had, though, Brian, was an advantage that I still maintain today over almost every other single seller of pipes on the Internet. I had been buying used pipes from estate sales and garage sales and flea markets from 1977 on. So I had a storehouse of good old used pipes, and that's what I put in, and, and pipes at 10 15 20 and $30 
is always a draw, especially if they're good pipes like Petersons, Camoys, GBDs, what have you, Savinelli's. So that's what, those were my big brands, and I didn't buy so many new ones. But, but I did have Larry Roush selling to me. I had uh, J.T. Cook selling to me. Um, and I'm sh- and Dunhill sold to me, so I had solid stock. I'm sure I had Sir Jacopo and Upshaw, because I knew the importers and distributors of those pipes. And they probably so liked you. Is the best. Mm-hmm. They, those guys probably liked you, and they took care of you. They did like me, and I and they and we still are friends, all of them, and they did take care of me. And I hopefully took care of them by always paying my bills on time. And if there's anybody there who's thinking of going into retail, don't be a schmuck. Pay your bills on time. They, your providers, your vendors can't take care of you unless you take care of them. If you go into a store and you see the stock is low, it's because the son of a bitch is lying and telling you he can't get the merchandise. He could if he paid his bills. <laughs> Now, now let's go on to a, onto a serious subject because you are you you are a professional retailer for over twenty years. You obviously had multiple times when a brand new pipe smoker or somebody interested in getting into pipe smoking would walk into the store. What would you tell a brand new pipe smoker? Wow, you're asking me a question that would take an hour each time. I actually got enervated that is drained when I had to introduce somebody who was interested in getting into a pipe for the first time, because it's not a 10 minute process. It's a, it's a minimum 30 minutes. And that's short because one, you've got to convince them that from, from their point of view, the pipe isn't the most important factor. It's tobacco. Once they find a tobacco, they like the taste of, and that may take a good deal of searching. They'll be hooked. Pipes, eh, not so much. Pipes will come around generally. One pipe may smoke better than another one, but that's not the most important thing. So we would go, th- we would go through the pipes quickly, and I would try to sell them a reasonably priced pipe. I can mention this brand now because it won't hurt anybody's feelings because the poor provider is dead, but he was one of my favorite all-time guys in the, in the business, Bjarni Nielsen. He turned out great pipes at great prices so I could get somebody into a really good pipe and often a very handsome pipe for well under 100, well under 100 in those earlier years. And then I would take them over and on tobacco, which, as I say, is the most important issue for a new pipe smoker, I would almost insist they take a small amount, an ounce each. I would sell less than two ounces of uh, tobacco so they could get at least some experience with the... Three major styles, three major headings, Virginia, Latakia, and flavored or aromatic or cased, whatever you want to call that last style. And I would explain, don't worry about not falling in love with any of these. It's almost more important for you to come back and tell me you really dislike this one because then we could eliminate a whole style. And so that's where I would focus my energy on getting them to understand the general styles of tobacco and what to look for in tobacco taste, what maybe they should look for, what maybe they shouldn't. And I would say four fifths of the people completely ignored everything I said. 
Can you remember those three blends that you would start them off on? Well, usually for the aromatic one Q, that that's a pretty much no brainer. Yeah. <clears throat> for the for the uh, Virginia, I would try with a, a nice, real easy smoking red red cake Virginia. McCraney's put out a great example. Um, McClellan's is tremendous, and I think I'm almost sure the McCraney tin pins are from McClellan's, and that's a real smooth, easy smoking tobacco. Or if if I, in questioning them, found that their taste uh, requires a little more uh, pungency, because I would ask what kind of foods they like, that's a clue into what they might like to smoke. If somebody's a meat and potatoes guy, you don't want to give them a whole lot of perique. I mean, he's just not used to that kind of piquancy in, in his taste. So... But if they liked a little more than just a red cake, I would use the blend that one of the blends that I made up. But again, in, in uh, concert with Mike McNeil, and that would be uh, two thirds of the red cake and a third of their black stove Virginia, which was really nice. Made a nice little blend. And then for an English, I would probably go with something like uh, a Balkan Supreme. Balkan Supreme. Uh, when Peter Stokeby's Proper English came out, I liked that a lot to give people a good sense of a full-bodied Latakia. Because Latakia is not a strong tobacco with nicotine. It's just full-flavored. So those are just three classic examples of the three different styles of tobaccos on the market, and it's a perfect place for everybody to start. That's right. That's what I thought. Now let's go over to tin tobaccos. We've got a few more minutes left. Uh what were your better-selling tin tobaccos in the store? Well, when Greg Greg came out, Greg Peace, uh, his his tobaccos did very well in the store. Uh, Dunhill, I think, was always solid. McBaron's, for some reason, wasn't. And I had trouble with most of the damn pipe tobaccos. Uh, the esoteric is also did very, very well. And I think that's it in a nutshell. Do you remember how much a 50-gram tin of, say, uh, Dunhill 965 was when you first took over the store? Oh, when I first took over the store in 89, that was probably in the 450 to $5 range. Does that sound right? You're asking me to go back. But I, I, that's, my, that's my guess. And by the time I got out of there, I was probably over 12 bucks. And that was mostly tax increases. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the tobacco didn't go up that much. Tax increases, of course. Before we go, can I get you to come back for a couple other episodes? Because in addition to being a retailer, you've also been a wholesale or an importer, and I'd love to talk to you about that. And yeah, if, you promise, yeah, if, you, if you promise not to call me when I'm on the pot. Uh, that all depends on the paperwork. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Sorry, everybody. That's all right. <laughs> um, yes, I'll be happy to for you, Brian. And you are also one of the, uh, I guess you're more of the figurehead organizer of the West Coast Pipe Show. I uh, I use I let them use uh, my name, and I let Steve O'Neill do all the heavy lifting. And people still show up, even with your name and on still, it. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's, it, I showed it's a up. Show. We, we want to. We do want to uh, invite people to come and encourage them to come, and let them know that it's a full smoking show. You can smoke on the exhibition floor. They can't do that in too many other places these days. 
So we'll we'll get you to come back in a in a couple of weeks or whenever we can catch up with you when your uh, fiber's not out of order, and uh, we'll get you to talk about that too. Okay. Uh, but before you go, yes. Just for this time only, I want you to answer the fast five final questions. It's five questions. First thing that comes to your mind: short answer, long answer, doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. Are you ready? I'm, I'll try. God, I hate these rapid things. Go ahead. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, I guess my Dunhills, my what, old Dunhills. What's your favorite tobacco? I don't talk about that publicly. <laughs> what's your favorite place to smoke? Um, I think our Thursday pipe and pint sessions with the local guys outside a local pub that serves great craft beer. I'm just glad you weren't. You didn't say on the pot. Uh, no, don't. What's no, your the gas? The gas? The gas and the flames, Brian. <laughs> you really don't want to put that together. <laughs> what's your favorite drink? Uh, a good craft uh, beer, maybe uh, IPA or uh, a stout. And what's your favorite thing to do while smoking? Uh, type on my website and say nice things about nice pipes. The website, in case you're not familiar with it, it's Pulver's Briars, P-U-L-V-E-R-S-B-R-I-A-R.com. It's... Uh, Always features uh, some Marty-isms on the home page, and they are um, Marty unfiltered often. The website oh, no. itself... Oh, no, I'm always filtered. If I were unfiltered, there would no, there'd be nobody who'd want to be within a mile of me. Uh, the website itself features a whole bunch of great new and estate pipes. Marty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to coming back for a couple more, uh, maybe at least one more episode. Okay. For you, I'll do it. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in just a minute. I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at CupoJoes.com. Celebrity voices are impersonated. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back. Sorry, Greg Pease, but uh, Marty's the original San Francisco treat. Curmudgeon and all. Always fun to sit down and talk to Marty. I hope we can get him back on here in a couple of upcoming episodes so uh when i was doing the taste testing dark brown whiskey glass rocks glass sitting there at night usually late at night uh put on the uh the ken burns jazz cd that he did for his uh documentary slash mini series and uh, came across this song called straight no chaser it's thelonious monk former pipe smoker and also sit back and enjoy this <laughs>
Oops, sorry, forgot we're back. Hey, uh, just something about the jazz and sitting down at night with a pipe and relaxing with a good drink. Uh, don't know where the time all goes. So. We'll be back to the show in just a moment, but now, random, random thoughts, thoughts or, or what the f*** is he thinking? I often wonder how we come up with names for things. For example, a parkway is usually a long, winding road in which we drive for long distance on. And a driveway is a short road in which we park our cars on. See? I told you. And now, back to our show. Check your mailbox, you moron! Let me start off the mailbag by saying uh, thank you to Doc Watson, uh, Rev413, and all the rest that left uh, kind comments about uh, last week's show. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, Sebastian, I will uh, dig into this more because I want to learn more about who's doing what and making what, and I'll be in uh, Germany next week. So we'll find out more about that. In fact, let me update everybody on my travel schedule. Um, Next Monday night, I begin, I think it's 27 hours in transit to get to the town of Odense, Denmark, where I'll be spending a day meeting with the house of Oliver Twist. Brigham is the U.S. importer now for Oliver Twist, the 200-plus-year-old discreet chewing tobacco product that uh, satisfies uh, tobacco taste discreetly. And then we'll we'll be there for two nights, and then uh, back on Valentine's Day to Frankfurt, Germany, where I'll be doing the show from the hotel room on Thursday night, very late, so I should be really tired by then. Hopefully I'll catch a nap in there. Friday and Saturday at a uh, small trade show in Frankfurt, meeting with a whole bunch of pipe folks from around Europe, and then Sunday morning hopping back up early and getting back on a plane, coming back to the States Sunday night. So keep that in mind. be fun. I'll uh, post a bunch of stuff as I can on Facebook, Follow me on Facebook, Brian Levine. Also, if you want to see my uh, Disney Tabacchiana collection, I created a fan page for that. and Almost all of it is up on Facebook there for everybody to look at. A couple other comments that I wanted to make. There was a, uh, there was a thread a, while, a couple weeks back about uh, Frogmorton being a... Uh, Lord of the Rings town that was taken from the tobacco or the the Hobbit movie was using the Frogmorton name to promote tobacco. I uh, called McClellan, talked to them, and the Frogmorton brand, as we know, goes all the way back to Barry Levin. Barry was the one that created it and came up with some of the naming for it. And... Uh, Barry did it in honor of a town that was mentioned in The Hobbit called Frogmorton in the Shire. So that's where it came from. The Frogmorton character is a complete new creation just for McClelland. Uh, Lou in Illinois posted on uh, the forums a good question about Pipe Show and uh, courtesy questions. First of all, Lou, let me tell you this. You may be young, but you are welcome. You are of legal age, and you should go to a pipe show. You should ask any questions you want. My one big suggestion is if you want to touch a pipe, ask the 
person, the pipe maker, if it's okay to pick up that pipe and touch it first. They, uh, some people get a little sensitive about that, so just ask that. Common courtesy goes without saying. If you have anybody that uh, doesn't want to deal with you because you're younger, hey, come find me. I'll be at uh, my table at the uh, at the pipe show the whole time. Come talk to me. I'll straighten them out for you. We, uh, we need all you young guys coming out to the pipe shows, coming out to pipe clubs, learning more, trying more, and, uh, yeah, you shouldn't miss the pipe show, especially since you live, what, about a half hour away? Come out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All right, everybody, sit back. Uh, Rant time's coming up in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and, well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Cowboy. Cowboy. So here it is, a quick and simple rant about Facebook. Yes, I use Facebook. I check it two, three, four times a day. I like to see what's going on. I post occasionally, and I should do more about posting, but I am not interested in seeing pictures of your sunsets anymore. I've seen plenty of pictures of sunsets, and I'm also not really interested in seeing pictures of food. Sunsets and food. I don't care. You want to show me the people that you're with? Show them in the sunset pictures, show the food on the table with a bunch of people, fine. But do I really need to see just another picture of a sunset? Especially when I might be checking it while I'm sitting here at work. Or even worse, food. Why do I care about a plate of food when I'm sitting here at work or I'm sitting at home and I'm checking Facebook and I can't eat that food? What do you want me to do with it? I don't care if it's fancy looking. Show me the people that you're with. I'm more about the people. I care more about the people. Let me see what people you're with. If you're in a gorgeous setting somewhere and the sunset's great, fine. Show that, but show the area around it. If it's just your average sunset from out of your house, I'm not really interested in it. If it's a regular meal that you're going out for and it might be nice, fine. Show the meal, but show the people that you're with. Show the entire restaurant. Let's see the whole ambiance of the entire place. That's my rant for Facebook. That's the rant for this week. Hey, tobacco trivia. Last week I asked about what did they uh, smoke the Latakia over, the original fuel that they would burn. It was uh, dried dung. Oftentimes camel dung was used to 
Fire Cure or Darken the Latakia. This week's trivia question, going to get brand specific with Costello. Costello oftentimes uses two logos. One's a white bar on the top of the stem. The other one is a little silverish looking, looks like a jewel on the side of the stem. Why does Costello have two different stems? Hey, make sure, appreciate all those uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Keep those up. Leave any comments that you've got on the show on the forums. I do check them out, all of them. Let the sponsors, uh, let the advertisers know that you're uh, listening to the show and that you appreciate what they're doing to help us. And a especially a big thank you to smokingpipes.com next week from germany no if i was going to speak a mother tongue of uh while i'm in germany it would be zeitnitz mashugana or dude let's go like hit some waves down at malibu because i was born and raised in california so until next time who cares about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Medication time.